So we're really, really, really excited to have you guys here today because today we are in part three of our series that we're in called Stronger. And I'm going to pray for us and we are going to dive in here in just a second. So if you've got the Summit app, you can go ahead and open that up. We have a section in our app called Sermon Notes. And in that app every week, uh, in that section every week is a place where you can take notes during the sermon. You can uh, do all kinds of stuff in our summit app there. So, man, you might want to download that and check that out. You can actually download it while I'm talking right now. All right, go to the app store and anything you got, just type in Summit CC. It'll pop up. You can grab it while we're up here, all right? Hey, I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into some good stuff this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today that you are God and that you are good and that you are in control. And Father, we just come to you right now and we ask that you'd open up our eyes and open up our minds and our hearts, God, to whatever you have for us today as we dive into your word, God, as we dive into your truth. And so, Father, I pray that, that Jesus, um, that the point today would not be a good sermon. I pray that the point today would not be maybe something that, you know, how, how awesome the band just did. God, I pray that the point today would not be something that, you know, we're kind of used to working and it doesn't work. God, I pray that the point today would be Jesus and Jesus alone. That is what we want. That is who we have come to see today. That is who we have come to celebrate today. And so, God, I pray that you would open up our eyes to see Christ and Christ alone. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, say it real loud, amen, all right? Amen. How many of you guys, just by raising your hands, you would say, you know what? My family is not normal. Raise your hand right now. My family is not normal. My fa- there we go. Almost all the hands in the room went up. Some of you looked at each other and that sort of thing. Yeah, there we go. You know, family, when you talk about family, family can be really messy, can it? I mean, family, when you, when you talk about the idea of family, it can get really complicated, how, how many of you, uh, how many of you, uh, you have that person in your family that when somebody brings up their name, everybody else gets really quiet? Not because anything bad happened to them, but it's because everybody in your family knows they have a consistent record of making dumb decisions, right? You may have that person, you bring them up and everybody in your family goes, oh yeah. Right? And you can't even speak that name without, oh my gosh, what an idiot. You, know? you just can't, Right? It can get messy, it can get complicated. Here's the thing too, when you mention family, family can hurt. Family can bring pain with it, bring some baggage with it. It can get really, really, really complicated. And the same thing is true with church. The same exact thing is true with church. Because here's what we're going to learn. Today we are going to learn that a strong church is a family. A strong church is a family. And, and everything that is on the table when you think about family is on the table when you think that church is a family. The, the mess, the complications, the hurt feelings, the background, the baggage, it is all there when you think about the idea that church is a family. It is all right there. And, and maybe some of you, when you think about that idea that church is a family, maybe some of you, you think, listen, man, I've heard this kind of spiel before, and, and listen, I don't really want anything to do with it. In fact, I walked away from church. Some people, maybe that you know, if it's not you, you know people that maybe they went to a church and they got burned by church. They got hurt by church. Something in church happened to them and they didn't like it. And they just said, listen, man, I quit church. I'm never going back. Listen, I'll take Jesus. I love Jesus, but you know what? I don't want anything to do with Jesus' people. So I'll take Jesus, but forget the church. Have you ever met anybody like that? 
You ever talked to anybody like that? And listen, you might be one of those people, and maybe this is the first time you've been to church in years, and listen, if that's you or maybe that's your background, I want you to know, listen, trust me, as a pastor, I absolutely, honestly, totally get that. But let me tell you, let me tell you why, why that's a bad idea, okay? Why that's a bad idea, that you know what, I had a bad experience in church, so I'm going to quit church, but I still take Jesus. That's a bad idea because you don't do that in any other area of your life, Right? How many of you have ever went to dinner at a restaurant and had a horrible experience? Raise your hand. Uh, just a horrible experience, right? I mean, maybe you place an order and the food is like 45 minutes late or they bring the food to you and it's not even the food you ordered or it's not even cooked or they bring the food to you and you've been eating it for a while and all of a sudden before your next bite you look and there's a big, long, nasty black hair hanging out, right? Just saying hello, Right? Have you ever met somebody, though, that that's happened to? They had a bad experience eating dinner, and then they walk away from that bad experience, and they say, you know what? That's it. I am never eating again. All, that, all those people do is, number one, they want my money, and number two, they don't care about how I feel. That's not what I order. I am never eating again. Listen, I used to eat three meals a day, but not anymore. I haven't eaten in years because I went one time, and I'm never going back to eating. You don't know anybody like that, do you? See, we, do, we, we wouldn't do that in any other area of our lives, but we think it's okay to do in church. And listen, I want us to see today that you and I, as messy as it is, as complicated as it can be, you and I need the church. So I want you to see that. So, in fact, can we get the lights turned up? I want people to see their Bibles today if they've uh, actually brought a copy of them. So there you go. That's great. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is the verse that we've been in for our whole series. So you can go ahead and open up there to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Now, we've been in this verse every week of this series, and we're going to wrap up this series in a couple of weeks in this verse, because in this verse, we see four characteristics of a really strong church. We've talked about unity last week. We talked about theology. We talked about worship. You can listen to all those on our app, on our podcast, whatever you want to check out. But today, today, I want us to look at the next characteristic of a strong church. Not a perfect church, but a strong church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the, what's the next word? Fellowship, one person is with me today, God bless you sir, thank you that you are here, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to fellowship. What is fellowship? My background is Southern Baptist, so if you got a Southern Baptist background, fellowship is a big bucket of fried chicken. That's what that is. So Southern Baptist Circuit if you look up the word fellowship in Webster's Dictionary, there's going to be a big bucket of KFC right there because that's what fellowship is. It's chicken, right? And listen, 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 uh, praise the Lord for chicken. I mean, I love chicken. We'll eat it in heaven, and it'll be amazing. But, um, but fellowship is more than chicken. Fellowship is more than eating. Here, here's actually what fellowship is. Fellowship is, is a spiritual connection It's a spiritual connection that Jesus produces in the lives of his people so that when you get together with other believers, have you ever experienced it? There's there's just this deep bond. There's this deep connection that you have with other Christians simply over the fact that you are both believers and followers of Jesus. That's, That's fellowship. And so it says they devoted themselves to fellowship. 
They devoted, this, they devoted themselves. They said, you know what? We need each other. It's not good for us to try to follow Jesus alone. I need help. You need help. We need community. And listen, Summit, it has always been this way. It's always been this way. It, this goes back, actually, before creation to God himself. God himself, listen, when God created humanity, God didn't make humans, you and me, because he was lonely and needed friends. He didn't do that. See, because the Bible teaches this idea that theologians call the Trinity. And what the Trinity means is that there is one God who exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And among the persons of the Trinity, God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, they had perfect fellowship. They had perfect connection. They had perfect community. And so God wasn't lonely. God didn't need friends. But out of his mercy, God made everything, including people. And so who did God make? Adam and who? Eve, community. More than one person. God made Adam and Eve. You flash forward a few chapters and God creates the nation of Israel. You flash forward to the beginning of the New Testament and Jesus comes and Jesus didn't do life alone. Jesus created the 12 disciples. And then from the 12 disciples comes who? The church. This, this community, this fellowship of God's people. And I love how the Bible puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible maybe on your phone or whatever, I'd love for you to look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. It says this, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Watch this. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Mark, what in the world does that mean? Here's exactly what that means. Look at me, look at me. When you give your life to Jesus, vertically, you become connected to God. But horizontally, you become connected to God's people, the church. And the way that plays out in our lives is that we are to be connected to a local church. Now, that could be real hard, isn't it? Because again, church, a strong church's family, family can be complicated. It can be messy. It can be a little awkward. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus when I was 18 years old. My family and I, we didn't go to church. We didn't go to church hardly at all. I didn't grow up in church or anything like that uh, or anything really at all. I met Jesus. I became a Jesus follower when I was 18 years old in high school, April 1996. And, um, and, and so I started going to church. And I remember when I started going to church, 18 years old, senior in high school, uh, it was real weird. It was real weird. And I love the church that I went to that I got saved in. Man, God used that church a great way in my life. But it was really weird. I discovered that everybody in that church, I guess their first name was brother or sister. You know what I'm talking about? Well, Sister Tammy, it's good to see you. Well, Brother Ronnie, it's good to see you too. Hallelujah, brother and sister. And I was like, everybody in here is related? That is crazy. I don't know none of y'all. It got really weird for me when I started working in churches. Right? Like when God called me to, to vocational ministry and started working in churches, the weirdness of church was just amplified by a thousand. I remember the uh, first church that I worked at I, outside of Louisville uh, when I was in seminary. I was uh, there for six years. I was their youth pastor. And there was this lady, sweet lady, man, loves the Lord, and uh, I, I, I haven't talked to her in years. But I remember there was this lady in the church, and I won't mention her name, uh, but she had absolutely no concept whatsoever of personal space. You know what I'm talking about? Just one of these close 
talkers. And when she would come up to you, she would talk just like this right here in a whisper. And she would like to draw out her words real slow. Just like this. And so among the staff, we would talk about this woman. And on Sundays, we would intentionally try to avoid her so she would have to talk to other people. And so on those Sundays when she would corner me and come up to me and I might be talking to somebody and I turn around and boom, there she is. Hello, Mark. How are you? And I'm like, listen, lady, I am married. Back off. Right? Just, just weird. Just weird. And listen, listen, listen. I know, I get church can be weird. Church can be messy. Church can be complicated. But I want you to see today that we need the church. We need each other. And so I want you, I want you to see that with two ways very quickly today. Two things, two reasons I want to give you today of why you and I, why we need the church. Here's the first reason. It's because the church is unlike any organization on the planet. The church is unlike any organization on the planet. Not because we're more sophisticated or not because we're more technologically advanced, but it's because the church can say something that Apple can't. It's because the church can make, the cl- make a claim that Google can't. The church is the only organization in the world that can actually make the claim and mean it that we are the family of God. That's who we are. I mean, in the book of 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul just simply says, we are the family of God. That is who we are. So in this way that you and I don't even understand the people around you this morning who are followers of Jesus, they are your brothers and your sisters in Christ. We are the family of God. Now, maybe you hear that and you're thinking this. Well, Mark, it doesn't feel like family. I don't feel like family. I'm here every week. don't feel like family. I really don't know anybody. Really not connected to anybody. Nobody's ever asked me how I'm doing. Nobody's ever called to check up on me. Nobody's ever made a point to contact me. Mark, this doesn't feel like family. And hey, listen. Hey, if that's you, I want you to know some of that, some of that, we'll own some of that. We're sorry. We, we work, as a church, we work extremely hard every single day of the week to try to help people get connected, to try to help people build relationships because we believe, I honestly believe at the end of the day, the thing that gets anybody to stick in any church isn't how good the preacher is or how good the band is. It's simply relationships. That's what gets people to stick in churches. And so we try really hard to help people feel engaged, to help people feel connected, to help this feel like a family. But I'll be honest with you. Listen, we're flawed. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. Sometimes people fall through the cracks. We, I'll be honest. So, sometimes that connection doesn't happen. So if you're sitting there, oh, well, this doesn't feel like family. Well, hey, you know what? If we own a part of that, I'll own it. But on the other hand, if we're being honest, and I have the mic, and we are, on the other hand, maybe one of the reasons this doesn't feel like family to you is because this is just an option. That church is just an option for you, and if something better comes along, you'll do that. That if something better comes on television, you'll stay home for that hour. That, that, if you, that if something else comes along or you've got something else better to do or if there is weather outside, hello. It's too cold. It's too hot. Weather. As long as there's reason to not come, as long as this is an option and everything comes before church, I totally expect this to not feel like a family to you and you don't have any connections at all. Right? 
That's why I'm challenging you. That's why I want to challenge you. I think that you ought to just make the decision, hey, you know what? This needs to be a priority for me. This, I, I need the people around me. This needs to be a priority. Parents, look at me for just a second. Parents, look at me for just a second. Hey, if you're a parent here today, maybe, maybe when you miss Summit here, maybe when you miss a couple of weeks of church, you say, well, you know what? I miss, but it's no big deal. I can listen to the podcast. That's great. I hope you do. Or I miss a couple of weeks. You know what? I can watch it on YouTube. That's great. I hope you do. But here's my question. Do your kids watch it on YouTube with you? Are your kids sitting around listening to, the, listening to the podcast with you? See, sometimes the biggest people, sometimes the, the people who miss out the most are our kids when we miss church. That's why you just need to make the decision, my family needs to be here. My family needs God at the center. My kids, yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, it would be more convenient to stay at home. But you know what? My family needs to be reminded it's not about us. It's about God. We are going to make church and God's people a priority. See, see, church is messy, it is complicated, but man, we need the church. And so when we talk about this idea of the church's family, when we talk about this idea of community, we're not talking about how everybody's gonna become BFFs and you gotta share your deepest, darkest secrets with everybody in this church. We're not talking about how everybody has to start wearing matching sweatshirts and all riding tandem bikes, something like that. We're not talking about some cult or anything like that. No, no, no. But here's what we are saying. We are saying that church as family, we are saying that it means to look around at these people and say, you know what? This church is messy. This church is flawed. It doesn't have it all together. But these are my people. These are my people. And see, I believe that there has never been a time in the world where the world needs to see that more than ever than right now. Right? I mean, think of how divided the world is. Among race, among political party, churches are divided, churches are split. And when the world can look at a group of people with all kinds of different backgrounds, but who are united, who worship one God and who love one another, they might not even know each other really well, but they say, you know what, these are my people. I'm telling you something, when the world looks at that, the world looks at that and says, what is up with those people? Because I don't see that anywhere and it preaches the gospel of Jesus louder than anything right that's why I want to challenge you hey listen if somebody hasn't if somebody hurts your feelings in this church if somebody hurts your feelings in this church and listen if nobody has hurt your feelings in this church it must be your first day we have a lovely gift for you in the lobby if somebody hurts your feelings in this church and they will I might unintentionally, hopefully, but it could happen. Probably will. We're all flawed. But hey, listen, I want to challenge you. When somebody hurts your feelings in this church, instead of going from church to 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 church, what if you tried to forgive them the way that God forgave you? Oh, it's real quiet, right? What, what if you tried to reconcile with them the way that God has reconciled with you? Well, you don't know what they did. Now, I know you've got a story. I know, I know you've got a story. And when we look vertically to God, we have a story too. And God said, in spite of the story, I love you and I'm coming after you. And he made us his children. Amen, right? 
Listen, the world has no category for that. That's why the church is unlike any organization on the planet, and we need each other. Number two, last thing, it's because we is better than me. Why do we need the church? It's because we is better than me. You're in the New Testament. 50 times in the New Testament, there's this phrase, these two words, one another. It's used over and over. One another. And it's just this idea of what we as Christians ought to be doing for one another as the family of God. I'll give you some examples. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. How many of you have ever went through a really dark period of your life and God's people, some Christians rallied around you, encouraged you, lifted you up, and helped you walk through that time? Raise your hand right now if that's you, right? Look at that. Hands are going up all over. Put your hands down. Listen, if you haven't been through a time like that, you will. You will go through something that is so dark and so hard, you will never want to go through it alone. And in that moment, you will want godly people around you. James chapter 5, James chapter 5 simply says this, pray for one another. How many of you would just want somebody to pray for you by name specifically? Just raise your hand. Man, I would love somebody to be praying for me. Hopefully somebody's praying for me, right? Put your hands down, right? Not not in general ways, but but in specific. They are lifting my name to God. They are praying for for me. See, we need to encourage each other. We need to lift each other up. We need to help each other follow Jesus. Following Jesus, I said this last week, isn't an individual sport. It's a team effort. I use this illustration. Um, I, use, I use this illustration. I have, a pers- I have a personal rule when it comes to illustrations. Uh, after a year of using an illustration, I get to use it again like it's the first time you've ever heard it. So this has been a year and a half since I used this illustration. If it's brand new to you, awesome. If it's not, smile and nod and act like it is, all right? I love to run. I love to run. And a couple years ago, I ran, the, uh, I ran in the, uh, the uh, Bluegrass 10K, six-mile race. In Lexington, they do it every 4th of July. And this year, it was uh, about 8 o'clock in the morning, 90 degrees. And at mile three, at midway point through the race, they completely ran out of water to give to runners, So thousands of people were running through the streets of Lexington having hallucinations. It was mass chaos, all right? And so I was there in the middle of it, and and I was was dying. And people started walking out of their houses and hooking up their water hoses, and you were drinking from strangers' water hose. I mean, it was, was, society was breaking down. It was awful. And so, so I got to the end of the race. Like, the finish line's on Main Street, and I was about half a mile away. I could see it. In the distance, and I just said this. I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done, man. I, I, at best, I'm walking it. And you know how, like, you've been running for a while, and you don't just stop all of a sudden. You know what I'm saying? You kind of slow down. That's what I was doing. I, I, was, I, was, I was slowing down my pace. And when I say slowing down my pace, you shouldn't think this is like Usain Bolt pace, all right? This is Mark Combs pace. Like. Um, and so, so I was slowing down. And uh, my 20-minute my mile went to a 19-minute mile. And uh, so I was slowing down. I was like, man, I'm done, man. I, I'm, I think I'm going to die right here. And this dude runs up to me. I don't even know this guy. Still to this day, I don't even know this guy. This guy just runs up to me, gets right next to me, doesn't even look at me. He's looking straight ahead. He says, don't quit. And I look at him, and I think to myself, who are you talking to? Don't quit. I'll punch you in your face. I'm about to vomit all over you, bro. I didn't say nothing. I was like, and he just, and, and, and for the next half mile, he never looked at me. He just kept saying over and over out loud to me, don't you quit. Don't you keep going. I know it hurts, but we're going to finish this together. We're going to finish this together. And we crossed the finish line. He looked at me and says, good job. We did it and walked off. 
We need people like that in our lives. We need people like that who are speaking into our lives saying, don't you quit. Don't you give up on that marriage. Don't you give up on that dream for your kids. Don't you stop praying for them that way. Hey, don't you stop trying to make a difference in your school. Don't you quit praying for your coworkers. Don't you stop praying for your husband or your wife. Hey, listen, I know it's hard right now, and I know you got that diagnosis that you prayed to God you would never get. You got it anyway, and it is so hard for you to think that God is faithful. Listen, God is faithful. God is faithful. Don't you stop believing that. Don't you stop believing that. I'm going to believe it with you. We are in this together. Listen, is there anybody in your life right now talking to you that way? If so, Awesome. It's awesome. I hope they're godly. I hope they love Jesus, and I hope they're pointing you to him every single day. But if not, Mark, there's nobody like that in my life. I don't have anybody like that in my life. Where can I find some people like that? Can I go to Walmart and buy it? What if they're surrounding you this morning? What if they're surrounding you this morning? What if they are right here, in this room, messy, complicated, they don't have it all together, their marriage is messed up, their kids are just as messed up as your kids, but you know what, they are on the same path. What if they're right here, in this room, together? And if you got connected with them as the family of God, you could encourage each other, you could help each other, and you could cross the finish line and see Jesus together, right there. What if they are right here in the family of God, in the form, in this room today, right here? Say, man, I would love to have that in my life. You can. It's awesome. You can. Here around Summit, where that happens is, is in our groups. It's in what we call life groups or serve groups. And, and see, here's the deal. It's, this is awesome, isn't it? Man, I love this. I love getting together to sing and, and to be with you guys, to see everybody on a Sunday. This is awesome. It's awesome to sing. It's awesome to listen to, listen to uh, you know, me yell and stuff like that. It's awesome to stare at the back of the head and the person in front of you. Isn't it awesome? Some of you have beautiful heads. You know what's better, though? You know what? This is good. You know what's better than this? When you get together in just a smaller group of people and people know your name and they're praying for you, and you're not airing out all your dirty laundry. It's not like every seven days you meet, well, my name's so-and-so, and and this week I looked at porn. Well, this week's so-and-so. You know, no, no, no. I mean, you can do that if you want, whatever, but just connection, man. Just friendship. Do you have anybody like that? See, around here we have those, and they're called groups. They're called life groups and serve groups. And they're groups of people that get together. They talk about God. They talk about the Bible. They pray for one another. They check up on each other. Our serve groups serve together one Sunday every single month. And when they're not serving together, they're sending each other text messages, Facebook messages. But here's the deal. They're connected. When they're not here at church, they're talking about, they're checking up on each other. Hey, man, we missed you today. Hey, man, I know you've got that surgery coming up. Hey, man, I know your kids have that test coming up. They're checking up on each other. Don't you want that kind of community in your life? Well, here's how you can get it. You can sign up for a group. I'm challenging, I'm challenging our entire church to join a group. I'm challenging our entire church to join a life group. I'm challenging our entire church to join some kind of group, to take this big community, make it smaller, and get connected with some people. See, our our new semester of life groups, it begins the first week of September, that first week of September. 
is when our new semester of life groups are. And we've got some amazing life groups that are going to kick off. We've got a life group that's going to meet on Sunday nights called the Four Core Habits of a Great Marriage. And it's five weeks long and you need to be a part of it. We've got life groups that meet in homes. We've got life groups, tons of life groups that meet on Wednesday night right here at the Forum at different time. One for financial freedom. Man, if you've got money issues, why don't you join that group, all right? If, if, you're, if you just need encouragement to walk with God, why don't you join one of those groups on Wednesday night? I'm leading a group that meets on Wednesday night over at our student building, and we're going to talk about six essential doctrines that every single Christian needs to know. If you're like, man, my faith feels so weak and wobbly, I feel like anything could take it out. I want to go deeper. I want it to get stronger. Awesome. Join a group. Join a group. I don't have time for groups. I work every single night. Well, awesome. Do you have time when you come one Sunday a month to serve with a team and just get connected and experience what it means to be part of the family of God. Here's what we're doing. Just a second, we're going to pray. And right outside of those doors, right outside of those doors, are all kinds of tables. Outside are all kinds of tables. And all kinds of life group leaders are out there. And you can sign up for a group this morning. You can walk up, sign up for a group, just give them your name, best way to contact you. You don't need to give them their, your social security number and all kinds of info about your kids and all kinds of stuff. You just say, hey, man, I want to get connected. If you want to see what kind of groups we've got, I want you to walk out that door in just a moment. And you can get connected and plugged into a group. But here's the deal. I'm challenging you today. What if you didn't go to this church? What if you belong here? Right? What if you belong? Hey, if you're a high school, middle school student, you know what I think you ought to do? Every high school, middle school student in the room, you ought to jump into our student ministry. It meets today at 5.30 for middle school, tonight at 7 o'clock for high school. You need to be a part of that. You need to be a part of that. It meets today. Don't even think about it. Just show up at 5.30 for middle school, 7 o'clock for high school. I'm challenging our whole church. You know what? I'm not going to go here. I'm going to belong here. But here's the deal. Some of you, this starts with you actually becoming a part of the family of God. And if you're here today and you're not a part of the family of God, becoming part of the family of God has nothing at all to do with joining a group. Becoming a part of the family of God has nothing at all with joining this church. Becoming a part of the family of God has everything to do with you asking Jesus Christ to come into your life, forgive you for your sins, and to be your Lord. It has everything to do with that. If you have never given your life to Jesus, right now is the time to do that. So we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray and I'm going to give you an opportunity to take a step and get connected vertically and horizontally. Let's all do this. Let's all stand and pray. Everybody stand up for dismissal. Have to dismiss, let you go. Let's all pray together. Let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, I just thank you so much that, that, God, you save us and you don't want us to go through life alone. You want us to go through life with encouragement, with help. God, we all need help. There isn't a person in the room that's not dependent. We're dependent on food. We're dependent on oxygen. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we're dependent on you. So, God, I pray that my humble ourselves a little bit today. Say, you know what? I'm going to get connected. I want to get connected and experience what it means to be part of the family of God. I'm going to join one of these groups. Or maybe somebody today says, you know what, God, I need you in my life. I need to humble myself in Jesus. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Here's my life. Save me. But God, here's what I know. Every person in here has a next step. And there's an opportunity for every man, woman, teenager, boy, girl in this 
place today to get connected. So right now, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, maybe it starts with you right there. I need to get connected to Jesus. I need to be a part of the family of God. And if that's you today, if today you need to be forgiven for all of your sins and you want Jesus Christ to come into your life for the first time, I want you to, right there where you're standing with your head bowed, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Becoming a Christian is not about trying to change first, be better first. Becoming a Christian is simply about coming to Jesus and receiving what he has done for you. You can do that right now. Pray this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you today for the first time. Help me to follow you starting right now. I want you to be my Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. No one is looking around. No one is looking around. Last week, we saw five people give their life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. If today you just prayed to give your life to Christ, I'm gonna count to three, and as soon as I say three, I'd love for you just to put your hand high up in the air so I can see it and celebrate with you. Just one, two, three. Raise it right now if today you wanna be saved and want Jesus to come into your life for the first time. Raise your hand high. Put your hand up. Amen. Father, as we're continuing in this spirit of prayer, there is an opportunity for this whole church to get connected. It might be sticking around for first step and just talking to me for a minute or two. It might be going to the welcome table for the first time, getting that free gift and seeing what this church is all about. Or it might be taking a step and joining a group. Pray that we'd all take a step towards you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Summit, let's thank God for today. Let's thank God for changed lives. And here's what I want you to do. Everybody stand still. Everybody stand still. Now, right outside of those doors, outside, just under the, uh, just under the uh, awning there of the forum, there are all kinds of tables set up. And as soon as I say you're dismissed, I would love every single person to rush out there to hit those tables and sign up for a group. If you are here for the first time, don't forget to take your connection card to the welcome table. We would love to connect with you, give that free gift to you. Or if you're returning, you want to just meet me or have questions about something, stick around. First step is right here. Just come up. We can talk. But guys, right outside of those doors is an opportunity to get connected and experience the family of God. Let's take that step. You guys are dismissed. Love you guys. Love you guys. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week, but right outside of those front doors right there, opportunity to join a group, get connected, experience the family of God. Middle school students at 530, you can experience it at the student building. High schoolers at 7. God bless you guys.